Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong Giants fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. another episode of Giant Cocktails. Thank you, Bob. I am Ben Henry, and I am here with my brother, the esteemed and Captain Emeritus Matthew. <laughs> I'll take it. Captain Emeritus. I'm going to I'm going to put that on my business card. Awesome. Good deal. Hey Matthew, I got a question for you. What's that? What Hogwarts house would the sorting hat put you in? Hmm. Well, with my luck, it would be Hufflepuff, but... <laughs> hey, Cedric Diggory I... was a Huff, okay? <laughs> fine man, fine young man. But but it would be it would be Gryffindor because I would tell the sorting hat that I belonged in Gryffindor. Right. Right, well, yeah, because component. you can just tell the hat whatever you want to be in, right? That's the secret. That is that's the what secret. we learned yeah. later. That's what just, we learned yeah. from Harry, right? Harry. Yeah. Harry, yeah. Harry would have been great in Slytherin, but he chose Gryffindor. So I'm choosing Gryffindor. Right. Yeah. What about you? What what house would the sorting hat put you in? I think the sorting hat would be like, I don't know how you got here, so Hufflepuff. Uh, I think that's the first <laughs> thing that it would it would suggest, Hufflepuff. Yes. And I would put the squib in in Yeah, I would be offended. <laughs> I would be offended. And I would say, I'm not a Hufflepuff. And then it would say, are you a Ravenclaw? And I would say, clearly, I'm not a Ravenclaw. That's <laughs> that's not possible. I'm not a nerd. You're a nerd. Slytherin so, it is. <laughs> yeah. So I think we all know that I would end up in Slytherin. Yeah. You totally would. That's where I would be. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason, that's a good, the question is apropos, considering Tuesday night is uh, Harry Potter night at the at Oracle. Wonderful. So you get to, I, I, from what I gather, you get to choose your house as you walk in, and they give you a corresponding shirt. So that's kind of cool. With the Giants logo on it, right? Doesn't it? Doesn't it have the Giants logo on it? And the, so. and, uh, and the and and the Slytherin or whatever Gryffindor mm-hmm. or, or Hufflepuff. I just like Hufflepuff because it sounds like smoking. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just Hufflepuffing down here. Maybe that's why they're just, they're the part they're the they're the house that never wins because they're just yes. baked. Just, you know, <laughs> that's right. Just, you know, and Cedric Diggory's that good whilst always stoned. <laughs> like, anyway, like Justin Bieber and. In importing their uh, weed from California. That's right. That's right. But anyway, we're All not right. here to talk about Harry Potter, Matthew. We're here to no. talk about the San Francisco Giants. Who they had a pretty good week this week. They did. They did had a really good week. They went five and one after taking two out of three from the uh, irrelevant and eliminated from the playoffs and barely one game above average team that average team that nobody in the press would ever want to write about. I mean, who wants to write about average teams? The San Diego Padres. Uh, I hear they have a pretty good right fielder uh, who plays shortstop on occasion. <laughs> um, but anyway, they went two and one against those guys. Uh, and then they went three and zero against the Colorado Rockies to bring their record to five and one for the week. A hundred 
and two and 54 for the year. The first team to a hundred wins. I think I heard Greg Papa rattle off the fact that they were the first to 50, then 60, then 70, then 80, then 90, and now a hundred wins. And they finished the week at 102. That brings them to sixth most wins all time in franchise history, tied with the 1913 New York Giants. Their current win percentage is 652, which is eighth best in franchise history. And as of note, there are only two teams at present that could possibly catch the Giants for best record this year. The Tampa Rays, who are five games back, and if the Rays catch the Giants, and the Dodgers probably will too, and that will be our worst nightmares. But then also, unfortunately for the Giants, the other team that can catch them is the Dodgers, because the Dodgers are only one game. Sorry. Dodgers suck. They do suck, Bob. <laughs> they suck so much, they lost a game on the Giants this week and now stand two games back in the NL West and for the best record in the National League and for the best record in baseball. And uh, yeah, but all in all, a, a really, really good week. I think uh, way better than um, than I think most of us had feared. Uh, we've gained a game on the Dodgers, and we've got six to play with, with two up. Matthew? Way better than most of us have feared. That phrase, I think, encapsulates the entire season, <laughs> right? The Giants have done way better than what we had feared. And the fact that we're talking about 102 wins with six to play just uh, is blowing my mind. Like, I I can't even fathom. Like, in a perfect world, from here on out, we could win 108 games. Are you kidding me? 108 that, games? The best in franchise history? By a lot, yeah, by, by like a, a lot. couple of and games. I mean, <laughs> they're playing. They're playing the Diamondbacks, and then they're playing the Padres, and it could happen. They could win out. I mean, it, could, it would be, I mean, it would be really likely, good. Week. But I just think it's yeah. amazing that we could talk about 108 yeah, being the ceiling. I think the Giants winning out is very, very unlikely, just because they're two games ahead of the Dodgers, and once they win five games, they clinch the the division. And so I think that Sunday game would be. Oh, yeah. you know, just an absolute like we're just going to go through the motion motions. So I think yes. winning winning 108 is probably not possible, even even at all possible. But 107 is definitely possible. And that would still yeah. be the best record all time in, in, in history. But, you know, um, Matthew, we're not just here to talk about Harry Potter and the San Francisco Giants. We're also here to drink Bob. Hit Matthew with the question, please. What are you drinking? Well, Bob, thank you for asking. If you recall, last week, I threw out like that I was trying to look at fall-type cocktails, and I think I mentioned mezcal, and then I mentioned apple cider, neither of which actually made the cut last week. But this week, I am bringing the full fall flavors, and I am drinking something I'm calling... An American Harvest. And you know, I live in, in, in Sonoma County, Northern California, and we have uh, the, we have some Gravestine apples. We have apple uh, orchards here. It's kind of a thing. There's an apple festival in the fall. And, you know, so it's it's part of our, our community. Yeah, so, I heard that's the that's the crop that Sonoma's super popular for. 
Is yes. It, is it apples? Is it apples? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and, you big know, there's apple a secondary brandy. crop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Secondary crop. You know, grapes are are kind of you know big too. But uh, right. but really, as it relates, to, well, I I shouldn't say that because right now is harvest for the grapes, and so it is a big time for 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 us here in Sonoma County. But I'm not drinking wine today. I am drinking a cocktail uh, that features unfiltered apple cider, and so I. I I, you know, I really wanted to find a cocktail that evoked that whole fall feeling because I, I really like the fall. I like it for the fact that it starts to cool off a little bit, but it's still warm and during the day. And I uh, I like it once we get into kind of into really into the fall, because that means we're past fire season, which is another thing that we are known for here in Sonoma County. So uh, I'm looking forward to moving beyond that. But anyway, this this drink features gin. Uh, it's an ounce of gin, three quarter ounces of apple Jack Daniels, three quarter ounces of dry vermouth, three quarter ounces of unfiltered apple cider, a quarter ounce of orgeat, which is a almond syrup uh, common in the Mai Tai, which uh, we've covered before in our, in our podcast. And also three... known as Ogre Eat. Yes, Ogre Eat, if you're uh, unsophisticated, but the us sophisticated us sophisticated people call it orjat, if I can even pronounce <laughs> Are it. Are there any of those uh, here on this podcast? Any of those words. There are little, little words coming out of my mouth. Anyway, and then to finish it off, it has, you will like this, three dashes of Angostura bitters. And and so you put all that in a, in a cocktail shaker with ice and you shake the crap out of it and you pour it into a chilled coupe glass and it is a s- sweet, the apple and the orjat make the sweet with the vermouth giving a little bit of cut to it and uh, the gin is kind of the base underneath and the Angostura adds a nice little flavor as well. Very complimentary fall cocktail. I highly recommend it. You can play around with the amount of orgeat you want to kind of, if you want more sweet or less sweet. Uh, I chose a quarter ounce. Uh, I think for me that was sweet enough. Um, You could even go less if you want, but it is uh, a nice cocktail for the fall. Mmm. That's a tasty cocktail. Why, thank you, Bob. That that is a tasty cocktail, and uh, um, yeah. So I'm I'm enjoying this, and I think you know Bob probably has a question for you now. What are you drinking, Ben? Thank you for asking, Bob. But you know, before we get into that, I do want to comment on Matthew's cocktail, which sounds actually quite wonderful. I I, I like that it is. A little bit on the more sophisticated side, a little bit of more of a complex cocktail with a a lot of layered ingredients. Anything that has Angostura dashed on top of it is obviously an awesome cocktail, though. But I I do believe that that's, you know, um, it's the kind of cocktail I really want to get into making myself more and and making cocktails that are, are layered and have a lot of different flavors working together because it really seems like the next level in the craft. Uh, and um, I, I think over the season, what I've realized, especially by building all those mixology cocktails, is that I have really gotten to the point where I'm very, very comfortable making these these simple cocktails. And, and what I'm not comfortable with is then building on that simplicity to create something a little bit more complex that's not, you know, over the top. You know, that doesn't yeah. have these lemon curd or, you know, fruity pebble <laughs> gimmicks. You know what I mean, Matthew? Don't know what you mean, but yeah, yeah. Which is actually a nice segue into the cocktail that I'm drinking now, which I honestly am still not 
certain as to what I want to call it. For right now, I'm going to call it September Fire. But really, this is actually a cocktail that is a callback to a cocktail that I made very, very early in the season when one Camilo Duvall made his debut with the San Francisco Giants. I made a cocktail called the Camilo Rising. And that cocktail featured bison grass vodka, which is a Polish vodka. And it also had maraschino liqueur in it. It had some cherry bitters, uh, but it was basically a, a daiquiri. So it was lime uh, with uh, with vodka rather than with, with rum. And at the time, I felt like it was an interesting cocktail, but it was just too one note. Again, it was that simple cocktail, and I was trying to make it more complex, and I really felt like I had not achieved that. And I thought it was okay. It was representative of where Camilo was with his career at that time. And I had said, you know what, I want to keep experimenting with this cocktail kind of in concert with Camilo's, you know, um, development throughout the season. Well, Camilo developed throughout the season, but he did most of his development in Sacramento. But man, has that guy come back with a vengeance in September and still has the same stuff but as a guy who is much, much more confident in that stuff and yeah. recognizes how uncomfortable of an at-bat he is for anybody standing in that box, whether it's a triple-A, never will be, or Manny Machado with the bases loaded and nobody out in a must-win ball game, And... I thought to myself, I have to revisit this cocktail. I have to do something that honors Camilo. And and so what I've done is I've taken that original cocktail and I've rejiggered it quite a bit. I swapped out the bison grass vodka for some Dominican rum in honor of Camilo and his, his home country. Uh, I'm still sticking to the, the daiquiri profile. So it is uh, three quarters of an ounce of, of lime juice to two ounces of Dominican rum. And then I'm keeping the maraschino liqueur in there. So I'm doing an ounce of that. Ooh. So it is. Now a... we're getting into kind of a strong <laughs> cocktail here. Correct. Correct. But, uh, and then what I also do is I put in a couple of drops of orange bitters just to boost up the citrusness of it and to give it a little bit of extra layers. And this is my attempt at making a little bit more of a sophisticated cocktail. And then what I did was, okay, and so to me that really represented Camilo's slider, right, was was the orange twist, right, mm. this slider kind of uh, profile. But then I thought, I need something in there that really represents that fastball. That fastball 100, that... 102 and a half miles per hour? Yeah, that kind of has a tendency to go up and away, so to a right-hand batter it looks like it's going to take your face off. I needed something for that. And so what I did is I actually took a half of a jalapeno, slice that into slices, put that into a little bit of the uh, maraschino liqueur, and then I muddled that significantly. Ooh. And I left the seeds on and everything. Max heat, muddled that, and then I put everything together, shook it all up, double strained that, and put it into a coupe served up, and then I garnished it with a slice of jalapeno. And the result, Matthew, I think is is quite good. I think it's still not as complex as what I'm looking for in a cocktail, but let me tell you, it brings 
the heat, but it's got this very uh, wonderful sort of light and citrusy undertone. Um, and the maraschino liqueur provides enough sweetness to counter that heat, but not not a lot, right? This yeah. is a spicy cocktail. This is a spicy cocktail. So there's no syrup or sweetener in there at all. Huh? It's just you're relying on the maraschino. Exactly. Uh, to, to, exactly. To the maraschino uh, liqueur, which is... Um, which I'm really just maintaining because that's what I put in the original cocktail and just kind of carrying that through. To me, that represents, you know, Camilo's freshness, his newness. Ah. And also that liqueur, the bottle of liqueur was new to me at the time and I really needed to use it. So, um, so yeah. So actually, I, I'm really, really quite happy with this. I, I think it, at the end of the day, this is just a, a, a spicy uh, daiquiri. Um, but it is... Um, it's a really good twist on a daiquiri, and I think it's one that I think people would enjoy if they're looking for something um, a, a little bit different, a little bit different, but not too different. And if you really like spicy things, this is the perfect, uh, perfect cocktail. I would recommend. Well, and, you, and you can, you can, if you're just doing, uh, you know, a coin, if you're muddling a coin, uh, baby, of jalapeno, you could take out the seeds. You could. If you know, you can yes. play with the spicy. You can definitely play with the spiciness on this, and you can also play with the tartness on it in the same way, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, just use less jalapenos, uh, yeah. or, you know, and uh, and and the less you use, obviously, the less spicy it'll be. And if you take the seeds out, you know, it'll be even less spicy. And if you cut out the the centers, obviously, it'll be even less spicy. The jalapeno does add a little bit of that jalapeno flavor, so that does that is present in the cocktail, um, yeah. but. Uh, but really, you know, I'm doing it for the heat. Nice. Well, I think that's an excellent taste, uh, or should I say, an excellent uh, homage to to Mr. Uh, Doval. And and you know, I know you had mentioned that you tend to gravitate towards spicy cocktails if you see them on the menu, and yet you hadn't done one. Correct. This year. So, yeah. So that's great that you finally finally did that. It's a, it think, was a way know, to tie it all together. Absolutely, and I think Bob, you know, has some opinions on that. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. Yes, it is, Bob. I agree. That sounds like a tasty cocktail. It is a tasty <laughs> cocktail. It is a tasty cocktail. And in my case, it's a tasty couple of cocktails because I made a double batch. <laughs> I was going to say, you, your your cup is multiplying. You you, know, you seem like you were mm -hmm. done. And then all oh, of that's sudden a trick of, trick of the light. Trick of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that on podcasts. We can just make a, a second drink magically appear. That's all it is. It's just it's written in the script that way. Nice, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, no, I made a double batch. I put a whole jalapeno in this one. So, so speaking of of extra alcohol, I do want to point out to you that this week the Giants did eclipse a hundred wins. And and uh, listeners, if you if you may, some of you may recall that early on, I think it was it was soon after the uh, All Star break, and I was trying to find the exact clip, but there's a lot of talking going on in our podcast, and I couldn't find the exact clip in the time that I had to find it. But trust me, Ben got all like I was like, oh, could you imagine if they won a hundred games? And Ben was like, if they win a hundred games, they are not going to win a hundred games, Matthew. They're not going to win a hundred games. <laughs> Okay, let's just get off of like whatever fantasy land you're you're you know you're in. I don't you, you always do this. Like you're 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 so optimistic that that you just say these ridiculous things. They I are know. Not going to win hundred games. Things like, oh, could you imagine if they win a hundred games? And then they are not going to win hundred games. Mister Negative over here is all like, no way, no way. If they win hundred games, I'm doing shots. 
No, I think you said if they win 100 games, you're doing shots. I don't but think sure. so. I think that was you that came up. Yeah, okay, whatever. Well, the point is, the point is, you are correct. I did, I did agree to that. Uh, I, uh, and, and, you know, because as you noted that I am a, a, a pessimist and uh, I'd like to say realist, you know, I, I think, and, and in many ways, you know, if it weren't for people like me, this season wouldn't have been as magical. Right. That's because, true. That's true. Because there were a everybody... lot of people like you that were right. all like 79 wins. 79 wins. And that'll be a good season. Um, yes. They're going to retool. They're going to get rid of all their old guys and then they'll be <laughs> semi okay after that. Uh, I think I said they were going to, uh, they were going to be competitive into the end of August and then fade away in September. Yes. Uh, if I because recall. Because their old guys like Brandon Belt wouldn't be able to. That's correct. You know, That's wouldn't correct. be able to, to last the season. That's correct. <laughs> you know, um, Oh, well, I is I I do believe the man still needs a uh, knee surgery. But anyway, uh, and today got you know well whatever we'll get there we'll get there. But the point is I did agree to this. But as we also know, I'm one person who really likes to push my luck. So, in in honor of what I originally thought was going to be our last episode of the season, <laughs> which would have been next week, right? Because if we'd won seventy nine games, that's it, end of podcast. Yes. Um, in honor of that, I have decided that I will do my shots on that particular episode. But I, as you know, I like to push my luck. So, so here's here's my. Uh, we never agreed how many shots that that we were uh, the Giants were going to um, that I was going to do. Right. But it, and, I know in my mind it was more than one. Okay. Well, uh, and so it, it, you did. So we did say shots. So it does imply yes. more than one. Okay. Uh, um, and I'm willing to give you three. Okay. I think that's fair. That's a good number. I'm, I'm willing to give you three, but but here's here's what, you, as we all know, my favorite San Francisco Giants team of all time was the 1993 San Francisco Giants. They won 103 games. They had two 20-game winners between Bill Swift and John Burkett. John Burkett also bowled at least two uh, 300 uh, bowling games in his career as a bowler. Um. They had Rod Beck as their closer. They had Matt Williams, uh, Will Clark, and um, let's uh, Barry Bonds were all on the same team for one year. Um, we also found out that they had one Bud Black on that team, the current manager of the Colorado Rockies, who did his best to give me the revenge I demanded, but could only give us one win. But hey, one win was good. Anyway, point is, that's my favorite team. So here's my bargain. My bargain is I'm going to do three shots. Okay. But for every game that this team finishes ahead of the 1993 team, I'm going to add an extra shot. Ooh. So that means if this team wins 104 games, I'm doing four shots. If they win 105 games, I'm doing five shots. If they win 106 games, we're calling the paramedics, baby. We're going <laughs> all the way. All right. I I could get behind that. And and that might be a good episode where we switch over to YouTube. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Our first and only episode on YouTube as we I violate the standards. <laughs> as we violate, I'm sure, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. There's standards on YouTube? Really? I don't know. There, there, I don't know if there are. There aren't. There's all kinds of rules on those things. Podcast is the Wild West, but... 
they, those streamers and YouTubers, they've got all these rules that they got to follow. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You're probably right. They probably can't get drunk on YouTube, huh? I, I don't know. I think you're allowed to drink. I don't know that you can, like, do things that are harmful, though. Mm. And one might consider seven shots in an hour harmful. You're right. Could be. Yeah, yes. In fact, yeah. we should probably build a disclaimer that that is, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Also, ladies and gentlemen, I am an old pro when it comes to <laughs> consuming alcohol, and I know how to uh, cheapen the blow a little bit. We're gonna have some some sangria shots in there. Oh, some, right. You have shots of grape juice. Whatever. Uh, Come on. One fifty one. Some port wine <laughs> shots in there. Uh, you know, uh, so we know how to mix it up. Uh, I'm gonna no. I'm gonna make some fancy shots with some with some liqueurs in there. So yeah, the, you know, they're gonna, right. it's gonna pull All down. Right. The, but they're gonna look. I'm gonna try to make some that look cool. Okay. No, I like that. I like that idea. A little bit uh, beyond just your shot of of. Yeah, this is not like right, six. Yeah. This is we're not doing like six. You're shots You're not doing of, fireball shots. Six. No tequila no. shots with some lime and some uh, salt. <laughs> Here it is. Seven <laughs> shots of Goldschlager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that uh, would be. Uh, hey, maybe we should talk fun. about some baseball. Yes, maybe yes. Let's talk, talk about, about some, some baseball. baseball. Um, well, <laughs> you had mentioned that the Giants, uh, you know, winning 103 would tie your favorite team. I mean, 102 as of today. The thing that blew me away is I saw earlier that you know they are the only team in Major League Baseball history to have a winning percentage over 600 for every month of the season. And the thing that is amazing me, I, I, I'm pretty sure that that was, it was, or maybe it was, it was six something. There was some, it was, uh, it was maybe it's a mind boggling. Yeah. And, but in September, they have a winning percentage of 750 right now. They have won three quarters of their, uh, it's the highest of all <laughs> months. And like, it just blows me away that we're like, you know, I mean, we were like, Scott Casimir is going to start where, you know, the world is ending and, and, you know, yet. Yeah. We've won 75% of our games in September. Matthew. And the Dodgers are like, WTF, yeah. you guys were supposed to fold at this point. Right, right. Well, you know how frustrated we and all of Giants Nation are about how the Dodgers won't go away and they won't stop winning and how frustrating that is? Imagine yes. you're them. It's way worse, right? <laughs> Remember we talked about the trade deadline? They were two and a half games out. When they made the trade for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer and became the greatest team on the planet, according to Stephen A. Smith and pundits everywhere, the king of ESPN decreed that they are now the best team in baseball. Since that time, Matthew, they have played like absolute beasts, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and all they've been able to do is gain one half of a game since that trade all the way back in July over the past almost two months, the San Francisco giants are unreal. This team is unreal. What a gift we've gotten this season. Absolutely. Total gift. And I'm still in awe of this. And yes, you know, I'm looking at, okay, we've got six games left to go. A uh, lot can happen. Of course. Uh but, the, you know, I think last week we talked about how we had these mutual uh, opponents 
and how we were basically, I think you called it a proxy battle, right? It was whoever could come out on top against the common opponents was going to to be that's right uh, the winner, right? And we're still so, in the so middle. So far, of it. so good, right? I mean, you know, oh, so, so far, far, so great. Right. We went yeah. five and one. But most importantly, we actually won one of those proxy series. Right. Because the Rockies went uh, two and one against the Co- sorry, the Rockies went one and two against the Dodgers, but they lost all three to the Giants. So the Giants won the proxy battle against the Dodgers via the Rockies. And the Giants went two and one against the Padres, which are arguably the toughest team in that set. So, you know, and and the Dodgers have already lost a game or lost one game to the Diamondbacks, which are arguably the easiest team in that set, a team that is easily sweepable by the San Francisco Giants. Now, no, it's not easy to sweep any team in Major League Baseball, but the Giants have already done that to the to the Diamondbacks twice this year. So, you know, it's uh, it's definitely in the realm of possibility. So in terms of the proxy battle over these nine games, the Giants are winning. And and all we really needed them to do was break even. But if they win that proxy battle, they finish two games ahead going into the last weekend uh, of the season. And that's a huge, huge thing because the Dodgers will be playing the Milwaukee Brewers, who clinched their division, I think, yesterday. And as a result of that, are not going to be trying super hard in that series against the Dodgers. They're going to be aligning their pitching staff, their rotation. They're going to be making sure that people get reps, but they're not going to do anything to jeopardize anybody's health. And and they probably don't want to show the Dodgers too much, right? Uh, Meanwhile, the Dodgers are going to have to show the Brewers a lot because the Dodgers are going to try to win every single one of those games. So I really do think the Dodgers have the advantage on that last weekend. It really comes down to where the Padres are. I think this whole last week is a really interesting one for the San Diego Padres. Right? I mean, yeah, I agree, because their whole season has just gone to crap. They had a blow-up in the dugout between Machado and Tatis last week, uh, which, you know, I mean, that happens in baseball. I mean, gosh, the Giants had went to blows in the dugout, you know, back in the, the, the 90s, so uh, or 2000s, I should say. And, and so... You know, I don't know how much you can make of that, but they are clearly struggling. I think the Padres, all they have left to play for is pride. Yeah. And, and you know, they're one game over 500, I think, uh, after today. And so, you know, this last six games probably means something to them, right? I mean, they don't they don't want to finish under 500. Well, but they've been playing under 500 for the last, you know, gosh, six weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it'll, you know, will, which team, which Padres team will show up and how will they, they, they fight? Because even though we, we, we beat them two games to one, they did put up a fight against the, the Giants. I mean, it wasn't like they laid down. I, I think that, uh, you know, they came back in games that they were down early. You know, they made us sweat it out a couple times. So, uh, you know, they certainly have the ability to, 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 to do some damage. So, you know, it's not anything, n- nothing is written in stone at this point. Well, they're a talented team, so I think that that is one factor, that that just doesn't go away. Right. But I really think this is one of the most interesting weeks for a team in their position in a long, long time. Because, yeah, they've been eliminated from the playoffs. I think a large part of that was, we yeah, in that series that they played against the Giants, they were still in it. And they were still trying to write their still season. They were still trying to hang on to the wild card. And I think... Most years, if they had won some of those games, they would have stayed in it. 
they are way, way out of it though, though now because the St. Louis Cardinals have gone and had one of the most magical runs by any team in the National League in 70 years, right? The No team has won 16 games in a row since the Giants did it in 1951 in the National League. The Oakland mm-hmm. Athletics and the Cleveland Indians have both done that in the last 20 years. But in the National League, it's been a long time since anybody's won 16 games in a row, and the Cardinals have just ripped that off and are now on the verge of clinching, or I think, I don't know if they've clinched it yet or not, but they're very close or about to clinch the, the final wildcard spot. And that has really, I think, put the nail in the, in the Padres' coffin. But what it means is that they have a week to play, and they have nothing to play for but pride. But here's the thing. They're playing their last six games against the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants. If there was ever a time for a team to stand up and define itself and declare itself, or even just a play, a group of players who are playing for their own personal pride, now is the time. The Padres have a lot. They are going to decide how this division plays out. Yeah. And either they're going to decide by lay by rolling over and laying down, or they're going to decide by scraping and clawing and fighting and trying to win every game as if they were still in the playoffs. And I I expect the latter. I really do. And you know that that incident between Machado and Tatis, I, I we we made a fun of it a couple weeks ago when it when it happened. But to me, I thought that was a really interesting moment. Because I it what Machado was yelling at Tatis in that moment was Look, you're the greatest player on the planet. Everybody in the stadium knows it. But you have to go out there and play baseball now. Right? You got to stop whining. You, you got to get out of your head. You got to realize that the situation is what the situation is. And we got to go out there and fight. And Tatis had played well. I mean, he's played well recently. Right? It, it's right. I don't think this slide is on him. By any by any stretch, but but to me that was a really telling moment because it came out of the mouth of Manny Machado. <laughs> you know, some people just mature as they get older, Ben. You know, they I do. Think... I mean, I guess thirty is the new twenty. <laughs> you know, I guess that's how these millennials do it. They mature at thirty. Well, yeah. need, needless shot at the millennials. I sorry, I'm sorry. I apologize to all of our li- listeners who are part yeah, of millennials. Yeah, right. Which they're all millennials. Right? <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. Thanks, no, no, I, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. You know, us boomers are want to do that. <laughs> no, sorry, see, I, you've already the you're, you're forgetting the, the, forgotten, the forgotten generation. generation. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we didn't do anything. We just built everything on top of it. We took we, we took everything that the boomers invented and made it not cool. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to go talk about Mark Zuckerberg and Evan, Evan Williams. No, let's not. All that stuff. All right. Um, but yeah, Williams. but what I'm saying is the Padres have a, have a lot to, to say about this this coming this coming race, and, and I think it's really interesting. I wouldn't count them out. I think they're going to be a tough battle. I expect them to battle both of the teams tough. Um, at least I, I hope they do. I hope you they say, do. You say that, and you say that you expect that. But And, and I guess from a, from a pride and professional standpoint, you would expect that. But I'm kind of feeling like that's not the way it's going to roll. I, you know, I, I think we've seen from Tatis uh, and that, you know, I just I feel like there's going to be some pouting and mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe just kind of like, well, shoot, now it doesn't matter. So 
So I, I don't know. I, right. yeah, who knows? Who Here, knows? Let me, let but me, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them. Let me translate kind of what you just said, Matthew, into Ben speak. Okay. The San Diego Padres are still the San Diego Padres. <laughs> exactly. Because you they know they are who they have always been. Yes, and they don't have the leadership on that team to pull this around, right? I don't. I don't think they have the oh, let's win one for the Gifford. They don't have one that's going to be like let's let's play for our pride. Let's win I mean, one Tingler, for the Tingler. <laughs> Tingler is not going to be that guy, you know. And oh no, I, Tingler is not going to be that guy next no, year. No, no, he's not. Tingler is making reservations for uh, you know uh, for for Monday next Monday to to get the heck out of Dodge. I mean, he's going to be you know renting the the rental the moving van is going to be coming to his house and. Uh, He's going to be coming to work with his little cardboard box. He's going to, to be researching to... investment strategies. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so, so I just I don't know. I I am not counting on the Padres doing anything. But I hope that that's equal for both teams because then it kind of just is a wash, right? But anyway. All right. So, well, there you heard it, folks. The Giants are going to sweep the Diamondbacks. Are going to have to sweep the Diamondbacks because the Diamondback, the Padres, are going to roll over for the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. All right, but you know who's not rolling over? Captain Belt. And I just wanted to before. Yeah, I, I know we talked about this last week, and you know they've been milking this Captain Belt thing for for the last couple of weeks, and it's pretty fun to see the team being so loose that Brandon Belt's captaincy thing has just taken on a life of its own. Uh, if you have not seen, you know, this week was the annual kind of hazing of the rookies. And uh, and so they had to wear um, they had to wear uh, sailor outfits uh, mm-hmm. on one of their trip I guess on their trip to Colorado, and and so there's this classic photo I got Kevin Gosman uh, tweeted it out on Twitter this week of them coming down the stairs all the rookies are all on the stairs in their sailor outfits and who's in front in his captain's like sailor outfit Brandon in the short white shorts. Short white shorts. He looks like if you've ever, if you, those of you who are too young, you don't know what the Love Boat reference yeah. is. But he looks like Captain Stubing. I was on the just going to say was, Captain Stubing. It was a, yes. Uh, yes, 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 Go. which is a classic seventies. Uh, sit- well, it wasn't a sitcom. It was kind of a I don't know. It was like a weird drama kind of thing. Go anyway, do look a it up. Uh, go do a a web search. For Captain uh, Stubing, S T U B I N G. Yes, go look that up. But anyway, Brandon um, Belt duck, duck, go was the... or whatever search engine you kids are using these days. <laughs> well, and and you know, one thing that kind of stuck out to me was how well he's played since he's proclaimed himself captain. And let me read some numbers to you. Okay, there's been 14 games. This was before today because uh, the 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 stats hadn't been updated. So it's actually he had a good day today. So these numbers are even better. But through Saturday, there had been 14 games, and those 14 games. Eight home runs, 16 runs scored, 16 runs batted in, a 370 batting average, a 1.347 OPS, and what, a what? weighted runs. Yes, a 1.347 OPS and a weighted runs created plus of 248. Nobody knows what that means, Matthew, but you sound cool when you say it. 100 is average. 100, okay. it's a great uh, stat to kind of, it normalizes both league and park. It's adjusted for your league and for your park. Uh, and 100 is average. And he's been 248 over the last 14 games, which, by the way, is like second in all of Major League Baseball. So... He is on fire. He has been, by all those metrics, at least in the top five in every single one of those in Major League. When I was looking those up, though, in the top 10 as well, 
was Brandon Crawford. So just as an aside, Brandon Crawford has also been kind of writing this captaincy tales uh, for the last 14 games. But but pretty freaking amazing where and 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 you know he hit his 29th, 28th, and 29th home runs uh, on Saturday, and he's never hit more than 18 in a season, and yeah. and uh, and just amazing and and all in uh, less than 100 games because he missed like two months uh, because of his injuries. So I just it just blows me away that he has had that kind of year, 29 home runs in under 100 games. This is the Brandon Belt that San Francisco Giants fans always wanted. This is it. Yes, and And all those Belt haters out there are like, yeah, but he missed two months, and Jesus, what could he have done if he'd had two months more? Typical Brandon Belt. But, but, but. He's, you know, 18, uh, you know, whatever, eight home runs in the last 14 games. I'll take it. I mean, and the fact of the matter is the San Francisco Giants have found a solution to that problem, right? They found Darren Ruff. They found Lamont Wade Jr. And before that, they had Wilmer Flores. They had lots of people who could who could play at first base. I mean, first base was one of the deepest positions this team had when they started the season all the way back in in uh, in April. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that was always something that they had covered. But you're right. I mean, I don't know what to even say about what Brandon Belt has done. He has always been one of my favorite giants of this era. You know, I, I mean, like, I mean, Buster Posey is Buster Posey. And I think, you know, when you have a player of that quality of that level, you know, it's hard to ignore that. But I think across all the Giants that we've have come and gone in the last 11, you know, 12 years, Brandon Belt has been one of my low key favorites. And 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 what I really liked about him in some ways, I was kind of selfish about it because I, I kind of liked it because I was like, I know why Brandon Belt's good and you don't. You know, it was one of those arrogant, I'm smarter than you kind of things, which Ben <laughs> likes to do because that's the kind of guy Ben is. Like, hey, look, yes. I'm in the Slytherin house. What do you want from me? But <laughs> the, the point is, is that I always liked Brandon Belt because I knew what he brought to the team. I knew how good his defense was. I know how good he was at making the rest of the infield better at defense. I know how good he was at the strike zone and and understanding how where you know what was a ball and what was a strike and getting on base and and I knew that his his home runs as few as they were um what a difference they made right and how his power numbers overall were were such a significant impact for the team like he contributed to wins in every statistical way that sabermetric nerds love and the sort of casual old fashioned fan doesn't even recognize, but now nobody can discount the magic of Brandon belt, right? Because it's there in front of everybody to see. I mean, the home runs are flying off his bat at a prodigious rate. I mean, that home run that he hit, I think it was, I don't know. It was one of the three, the last three that he hit where he just turned on that high inside fastball, which is the place where you get Brandon belt out. Yeah. And he just turned on that and just put that into Montana. You know, 25 feet, I think. I mean, that I've never seen a Brandon Belt hit like this before. I don't know, you know, and and I think one, that's a great testament to him and to his skill and to his abilities. But at the same time, like, I think it, it also speaks to this coaching staff, 
right? And to this and to this analytics staff, the front office staff, everybody who is talking to these guys and saying like these are the things that you need to do in order to be your best, the best possible version of yourself. And I think, you know, them giving that information to these guys and then these guys having the egos to accept it and take it in and then reflect it back out onto the field and make themselves even better at this stage of their career at this, their career is mind blowing. It's mind blowing, mind blowing, but, Oh, sorry. You look like you're about to say something, and I don't want to ruin the momentum. Go ahead. But, Matthew, this is his. This is his salary. His salary charge. His salary. His salary drive. He his contract's yes. up. And and contract I already. I've already told you the Giants aren't going to resign him. So so where is he going? And who are we getting to replace him? <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I think that. You know, what you just said, as far as you know, these you know the the analytics and how this coaching staff really gets the most out of their hitters and and all that. Brandon Belt, before these coaches even came, was the poster child of of that approach, and and I think it was by you know the you know what is it the you know the gift of God that that Brandon Belt had Kapler and Zaidi. And all the and this coaching staff come in and tell Cap and tell Belt, we just want you to be Brandon Belt. And I think you know last year we started to see that, but it wasn't a full season. And this year, we're seeing the Brandon Belt unleashed, un untethered. He doesn't have to worry about taking a called third strike because it wasn't a pitch that he could you know that he could hit hard. Right. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, and, you know, love Boach, but Bochi was not that guy to kind of pat you on the back if you struck out on a on a pitch down the middle because you weren't looking for it. Right. And and I feel like, you know, the 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 uh, the mental part of the game. And I think Belt actually spoke about that. In one of his press conferences was that he 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 is finally feeling like confident in his approach. And he feels supported and that he can take that approach every day and and it's going to be okay, whether it's successful or not. And, and I think that means a lot, you know. And so to your question about will he be back, I feel like he will because for two reasons. One is that he is the epitome of Giants baseball. You know, and, and two, Zaidi has gone on record saying he wants to keep as much of this core group together over the next couple of years. And, you know, and he's shown that by, you know, signing, you know, Brandon Crawford to an extension. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there, we, we, we see him doing those, those things. So I feel like that that is, there's two reasons. And then the other one, and we talked about this earlier, but there's really only two first basemen out there on the, on the market that maybe rival uh, Brandon Belt's production over the last couple of years, and especially this year. And that's Freddie Freeman and Anthony Rizzo. And Anthony Rizzo is, I would say, Belt is clearly the better hitter in almost all, almost all metrics except games played. And I will concede that availability is often the best ability. And that has been Brandon or Brandon Belt's biggest uh, knock, right? Is he hasn't been able to play a full season in a while. Uh, but you know, Anthony Rizzo in 134 games this year has a 249 batting average, 20 home runs, 
and 58 RBIs. So just as many RB, fewer RBIs and home runs than Brandon Belt does in 100 games. Uh, his on-base percentage is less. His OPS is almost 200 is almost 200 points less than Brandon Belt's. I feel like you know Anthony Rizzo is not the solution to the Giants' problem. Now Freddie Freeman, uh, on the other hand, an amazing player, great player, could be a great option for the Giants, but he won't be for two reasons. One is that the Atlanta Braves are not going to let Freddie Freeman walk. Uh, I, I can't imagine the Braves just allowing Freeman to go, uh, unless the Giants way overpay. And I don't think the Giants are going to do that. I don't think they want to way overpay. And I think that they could get Brandon Belt for, um, I wouldn't say a hometown discount, but I think they could get him for less than they could get Freddie Freeman, and and he would probably be a better fit anyway. So the only the only hiccup on all this is availability and, and Brandon Belt's inability to stay healthy for an entire season. But when he's healthy, he's great. And to your point, we have the place, the people in place, just like this season, to fill in if Belt is out. And you know, and Ruff and Wade Jr. especially did a great job filling in for him. And I want you to, I want to tell the listeners that I have gone on this whole diatribe, all this while watching Ben fiddle with his cat. I don't know. I think he just put his cat up in his closet rafter, like in the upper part of his closet. I'm not sure what's going on. What's going her, on over there? Her name is Posey. Yes. Posey. Her best friend's name is Wilson. Sign of a true giant. They're both they're both about ten years old, about about eleven years old, <laughs> and uh, we got them within a year of each other. Uh, yeah, and so Posey is now hanging out on the top of my my dresser in my closet, happy to be investigating. She charged into the closet when I opened my door because it's so hot in here. You know, this, this is what we do for you, you listeners. <laughs> All, all 30 of you. That's right. 40, uh, 50, yeah. you know. Way, we, we... Hi, Mother. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Mom, for downloading your yeah. our podcast on 20 Thanks different Thanks for being devices. our first and most dedicated <laughs> listener. Actually, I don't even know that she's our most dedicated listener. I get the she's sense not. that she doesn't necessarily listen to all our episodes. No, every now and then she'll drop a, yes. uh, a comment. But, but anyway. Anyway. Captain yeah. Belt. Captain Belt. I, you know... <sighs> I, I just didn't believe that the Giants were going to resign him because I felt like they were going to go out and look for something something better. I, I at this point I, I think I think you're right. I, I do think that he of all the free agent first basemen, he might be the most attractive option. I do think that any team that's looking at him has to understand his propensity to get hurt. You know, and I it's just it's just one of those things. It, it has happened year after year after year. So you have to assume that the man is going to miss 25 to 30 games minimum. And so you have to factor that into his performance. At the same time, I do. You know, I would say even so he as is as productive as Anthony Rizzo, if not more productive. You know, so Rizzo's going to have to play 140, 145 games to match what Brandon Belt does in 15 or 20 games less than that, right? Yeah. Um, I don't see Freddie Freeman going anywhere except Atlanta. No. I just don't. And so I, I really do think that if anybody wants to sign a veteran first baseman that has who's good, it's going to be Rizzo or it's going to be Belt. And I think, you know, I, I think at this point you're absolutely right. I think Brandon Belt is the better choice. And and the real question is, is he a better option than Darren Ruff plus Lamont Wade Jr.? 
And honestly, I'd like to have all three of them. And yes, well, I see you vigorously nodding. Yes, he is a better it, option. It, it is a better option because then it allows the Giants to have the flexibility in the other positions that Wade and Ruff give. Exactly. And so it, because they can both so, play the outfield. Know, that's been part of the formula this year. Yeah. You know, if you put right. them solely at first base, then it takes away right. our success right. in the other areas. Right, right. And, and, and Lamont Wade can play the outfield very well. Right. Yes. He, he's a good outfielder, not just an okay outfielder. He's a very good outfielder. Uh, so I, honestly, I'd like to see all three come back. You know, um, I, I don't know if that's possible and, and I don't know what Darren Ruff's situation is honestly in terms of injury, right? Cause he, he's, he's, he's got an oblique strain. I think that's, that's the weird injury that has come up with this. Yeah. We need to, we need to get working on those obliques for the giants this week. Yeah, I, you know, I, maybe there's some sort of drill they're doing. That's tweaking the obliques too much. Right. They need to stop doing that. Yeah. Whatever like whatever that drill yeah. is, it cut it out. Or I don't know if there's an exercise that you could work those obliques, but let's do that exercise. Yeah, I mean, okay, because I don't uh, know. Yeah, I don't know. You know what works my obliques really well, Matthew? Lifting cocktails, shaking cocktails, shaking. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's a really good oblique workout. So maybe they need to do more cocktail shaking. Um, (laughs) But no, I I I would love to see Belt come back. Honestly, man, honestly, like you you bring back Brandon Belt, Buster Posey, and Brandon Crawford. On top of a hundred and two at least win season, and we've got great expectations, man. I'm a happy camper. Like I, I, you know, to me, I really feel like the new generation starts in 2024. We've talked about this a lot. I really think that's when we're going to start to see a lot of these young guys come up through the ranks yes. and really. Start you mentioned to... that early on in our podcast, and I was like, "Oh, great, we're going to have to suffer for two years until those guys get here." <laughs> right? No, no, because Farhan Zaidi is like, "I've got other plans, or I've got yes. other things up my trick, but up my sleeve." But but I will say this, the high A teams, both, sorry, the high A and the low A teams, the uh, Eugene Emeralds and the San Jose Giants, both champions of their leagues this year. So yeah, lots of talent on those teams. The future is an totally An omen, right. maybe. An omen yes. for the And uh, hopefully for the an omen for this season. Exactly. For sure. Because, uh, but yes. Um, All right. But to a certain extent, Matthew, the future has already arrived. Yes. Yes. In fact, I mean, your, your cocktail today, I think, you know, speaks to the future because at the beginning of the year, I'll be honest, I don't think either of us knew who Camilo Duvall was. No, we did not. Uh, And uh, just a name on the 40 man because they needed to protect him from the rule five. I mean, that was pretty much all I knew about. We have an episode called, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, one, I don't know, five rules or one man, you know, I don't know, five rules, 40 men, one Camilo. And we talked about Camilo Duvall and, and why he was on the major league roster at all and how yeah. he had gotten there. And it was because of this whole rule five draft thing. And 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 he he was only protected by the rule five draft because all of a sudden he started showing this velocity out of nowhere. And they were like, oh, gosh, we, we got to protect this guy, because if we don't, he's going to be eligible for somebody else to steal. And the guy was close to being major league ready when they did that, obviously, because, you know, I mean, that was this year um, that they would have been he would have been stealable. So so that's how he ended up on the 40 man roster. And then once you're on the 40 man roster on this team, you're on the team. That's what we've learned. Yes, they're using their entire 40 man for sure. Uh, And and this week, yeah, it kind of, you know, I think we I think last week, I'm pretty sure last week I said Duvall is not ready for the closer role. And you agreed with me. And we said, oh, yeah, not this year. Right. And then 
he comes out and oh my god looks like a closer mm-hmm. and you know and and you know i will say and i'm going to say a closer doesn't just need to be the ninth inning guy right a closer is the guy who gets the most difficult outs at the most crucial time and and he's done that this week with with authority oh man that game where he came in to re- relieve Casimir with the bases loaded to face Manny Machado, right? The Giants were up. They had a, they had a healthy lead, but Manny Machado hits the ball out of the park, and it's a completely different ball game, right? Yeah. They brought that kid in. That kid, remember from the beginning of the season that we saw, who didn't have faith in his fastball? That He didn't have faith in his 102-mile-an-hour fastball. Wouldn't throw it. Kurt Casale could not get, could not pay the man to throw that pitch. Right. That's the Camilo Duvall that we had in April versus he comes in to face Manny Machado in that situation and strikes the man out on what? Three pitches? Three pitches. Three pitches. Three nasty sliders. And that last slider, I mean, it was, it was Rob Nen like. Yeah. It, it was just, I mean, I don't think it was as fast as Rob Nance because it was not in the 90s, but it was it was an epically devastating slider that Machado had no chance, right? And it if looked you're gearing like a fastball. up for a 102 mile an hour fastball yeah. and that slider comes at you, comes down and looks like it out of the hand, you're, I mean, how can you hit that? You know, and, and I feel like he's finally learned that he's got to trust his stuff and that yeah. major league hitters can't hit him if Correct. he throws strikes. And and to that point, no walks this week, yeah. right? And and I think I mean since he's come back, I think he's had like two walks total. I mean he's throwing strikes, and and that's what the Giants want from their oh, relievers. Maybe. And he wasn't doing that at the beginning. He wasn't. He was he was nibbling. He was trying to like get people to chase instead of challenging them. And now he's a completely different pitcher. And I'll say he looks like a closer. So I was wrong. I think I think he could end up being the closer. In the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I said he's not the closer. I think uh, Kapler and, uh, well, at least Gabe Kapler. I mean, uh, you know, I think the rest of his He's really the only one that matters, right? (laughs) Yeah, he was like, looks like a closer to me. Yeah. You know, he has insisted on keeping Rodgers in in those non-closer, non-closing situations. He's put Rodgers there a couple times, but but seems to be shying away from that. Is going. Leon Leon looks like like his preferred. If if McGee's not available, which McGee is on the on the shelf right now because he's hurt. With an oblique strain, <laughs> um, you know, he, he looks like Leon is his preferred choice. But Leon, oh my gosh, the man has done so much work, right? I mean, he, he got into a little bit of trouble yesterday on Saturday, uh, you know, but it, that was his fourth game in a row, fourth day pitching in a row. I mean, so Dominic Leon can only do so much. I, I think he is the preferred choice if, if McGee is not available. But I gotta tell you, Kervin Castro and and Camilo Doval are like this this burgeoning two headed monster, right? Suddenly you see them and you're like, yeah, you and I were like, oh, these guys these guys could be really something in the next couple of years. <laughs> the next couple of years might be the playoffs. I yeah. I mean because you know honestly like like I was just thinking this through and I was thinking like okay, what's the bullpen gonna look like in the postseason, and and how would you use these guys? And, and this is a, a bullpen I put together. And, you know, obviously you can change things between series and, you know, whatnot. And so I think you don't need as many starting pitchers, say, for the wild card game as you would for the division series. But I'm thinking more like division series, seven game series. I, I said, OK, so you got your, your four starters. Let's assume that everybody's healthy with Desclafani, Wood, Webb and Gossman. Right. Those are your four starters. 
assume they can all pitch four innings because that seems to be what San Francisco starters do these days. They don't pitch more than four innings. Uh, they pitch into the fifth inning. They get into trouble. So here comes who? Fireman of the year. The world's best <laughs> relief pitcher. The Henry brothers' favorite, Jose Alvarez, comes in. Don't give that man a clean inning. Give him dirt on the base path because that's the only time he's good. Jose Alvarez, he's going to come in. He's going to get you out of trouble in the fifth inning. Then what? Well, at that point, what if you go with Watson and Leone? Those are your sixth inning guys, right? I'm assuming McGee's healthy. Okay. Watson and Leone are now your sixth inning guys. Righty, lefty like situation. You got a lefty and righty, right? Yeah. yeah, that looks good. Okay. They take care of business in the sixth. Then you bring in funky, weird Rogers in the seventh. Okay? All right. Now you bring McGee in to the eighth, right? And he pitches that just like he pitched the ninth, but now he's in the eighth inning. And in the ninth inning, it's Camilo Duvall as your closer. But if he's not available, you got Castro and his, like, bending. You never know where they're going to go. They all look the same, but they're all different breaking balls, Castro. And, And then... You still got Garcia sitting in the bullpen in case any one of those guys just can't get the job done. And then because you're Gabe Kapler and you can't help but use all of your pitchers in seven or eight innings, you still need a guy when you inevitably go into extra innings because you you realize, oh, right, that is a rule that we have in this game. You forget. You forget every game. But boom, it happens. And now you need somebody. Now you got Johnny Cueto there. And it's ride or die with Johnny Cueto in the extra innings. All right. Not the worst. I, you know, I, I'm i with you until Castro in the ninth. I, I am, I'm excited about Duvall as a closer. Uh, Castro has proven to be very effective. But I don't know if he's any better than Leon. I don't know why you couldn't swap like Leon and Castro. Castro and Watson as your six inning guys. And I mean, that's Leone. fair. I mean, I, yes. I mean, I think Dominic Leone has been fantastic. I, I think if you said he was our closer, I would be totally happy with that. I just, I'm, I'm just looking at the upside of Kervin Castro. I, and I think he is such a different look than yeah. Camilo Duvall that I think between the two of them, I really like, I really, honestly, I like the two of them plus, plus Rogers as, as a threesome. Right. Like yeah, to me, that's right. a really interesting three headed monster that I would like to see in 2022. But. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, and that's that's uh, we don't have to talk about 2022 yet. We're still in the middle of 2021. That's right. That's uh, right. Speaking of. So we are in 2021, but there's only six games left. So six games to go. Giants have a lead of two games in the National League West. You know, math was never my best subject, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a, a psychology major. So, you know, I'm, I got out as much math as I could with two games up with six to play. That means if we go four and two, yes, we have three against the Diamondbacks, three against the Padres. If we win four out of those six, then the Dodgers have to go undefeated just to force the one game. Game playoff. 163. That is correct. Which would be on Monday. Yes, that is true. You are correct. If the Giants go four and two, the Dodgers must go six and zero. Oh. So if the right. Giants win five games, which sounds like a lot, but you know what? They just did it this past week. Yes, 
if the Giants go five and one, they win the division. Uh, and and then Sunday, you know, and you, it doesn't matter what the Dodgers. Sunday, right, you yes. can pitch, and I I will catch. <laughs> I'll sign me up. I am ready because you can't catch my fastball. <laughs> I, would, I would just you pick know. it up when it stops rolling. But to the, me. the point is, yes, you are correct. That that the mat your math checks out, Matthew. All right. Well, so so looking at who we play, you know, the Diamondbacks. Yeah, you said we swept them before. Mm-hmm. Uh, have we swept them twice? Swept them twice this I will, year. I will double check, but I believe we have swept. Yeah. So fourteen and two record against them. Fourteen and two. That's uh, that's that's ownage. Yeah, that's what the Dodgers had against them too, and they still only went two and one. Okay. Well, yeah, it, I I will admit it's hard to sweep a team. It's right? hard I mean, to sweep just, anybody. You, you, yes. you can't you can't just count on that. But but if there's any team that's lining up to be swept. Having the Arizona Diamondbacks as a team that you want to do it is 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 probably the best case scenario. So, uh, and then we have the Padres, who we were nine and a seven against um, for, on the season. Uh, the Dodgers play the Padres while we are playing the Diamondbacks. They also have a nine and seven record against the Padres, and then they wrap up their three games against the Brewers. Yes. Okay, I have an answer to the Arizona sweeping question. It's weird. Okay. It's weird okay. because they, they have not played Arizona three games in a three-game oh, so series. We had like a two-game sweep all, at one all point, year. This is the first time they're going to play Arizona in a three-game series. But I will so tell weird. you this. They have swept Arizona three times this year, twice in a two-game series, and once in a four-game series. Oh. So that's eight games which they all swept uh and uh and and four of those the four game series was at home so you know yes the diamondbacks are eminently sweepable um the only two games that the diamondbacks have won against the the giants have been i believe in their home park but let me confirm that uh correct correct so the diamondbacks have not won in in uh in oracle yet so, wow. yeah, and, but but you know who has one in Oracle? Madison Bumgarner. Who's that? <laughs> An old friend. I don't know if you recall him. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he yeah, some... yeah. I think he's Brandon Crawford's friend. Gave him some. He's somehow affiliated with the Diamondbacks. He, he got some. He yeah, scored, you know, he, 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 he scored he some does, tickets uh, for B-Cross Sun. He does rodeo on the side, you know, in the offseason. Oh, you know? right. He's that famous rodeo star who dabbles in baseball. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That Mason guy. Saunders, I think his name. That's his know, That's his normal name. Yeah, that's his yes, regular yes. name. I don't follow rodeo very much, though, so I'm not really familiar with his record. Okay. But, but you know, he's had some success. And, and he's starting against the Giants on Thursday at Oracle. You know why do these things have to happen, Matthew? Why do these things? Why do these things have to like come around? Like, why does it have to be like this? This these 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 this, this poetry? Yes, I, you know, I'm really glad though that we've already done the like love you, Bumgardner. Thank you for being such a great giant thing when he came in earlier in the year. Yeah. Because now we don't have to do any of the niceties. Yeah. And we could just beat him. Yeah. Can we and, just trash him? Can oh we just God. score like 15 runs against him? Can we just see that mad bum? I would love to see that Mad Bum. And, I mean, uh, Mad Bum did not appear. You know what? Like, you know, hey, the Giants are in the middle of a postseason run. And what does Mad Bum do? He helps the Giants win on postseason right. runs. That's what he does. That's what he does. So I'd like to see some more of that, please. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. That is interesting. You know, I, but in terms of that nine-game proxy battle, though, the the, the the Dodgers went went two and one against the Diamondbacks. So... 
if the Giants also go two and one, they will match the Dodgers, and and matching the Dodgers is enough, right? Because you stay a game right. ahead. So you know, I would love to see a sweep there. Honestly, obviously, you know, if we see a sweep there, then that means the Giants are still at least two games up going into the last game of the last series of the of the of the year, and you know, it just puts means everything else is is right. Well, we we so have to easy. we have to win two out of those three. I mean, I think you know that's yes, that's, um, yes. We have uh, to we have to do at least what the Dodgers have done. The Dodgers went two and one against the Diamondbacks. The Giants have to go two and one against the Diamondbacks. Yes, that will end the nine game proxy battle. At that point, we will know how that nine game stretch has ended out, and either it will be a you know it, well it'll be what it'll be because we don't you know obviously there's three games to play. I am assuming that the Giants are either going to go. Uh, you know, somewhere five and four, six and three, or seven and two, one of those three. I mean, there's other factors that are possible, but I assume they're going to go one of those three. And if they go seven and two, then they have swept the Diamondbacks and they are absolutely golden going into that last weekend of the sea of the season. Yeah. So speaking of last game of the season, so now we're looking at uh, clearly there's, there's some postseason ahead. We've got that possible 163rd game, which would be on Monday after mm-hmm. the, the final game on Sunday. Webb is currently scheduled to start that Sunday game, which yep. is interesting because, uh, you know, if it's a winner take all, then you want Webb on the mound on Sunday. Uh, I think, I mean, well, you want... Based, well, maybe the, the, the Webb that played, mm, uh, the, that pitched yeah. in Colorado, well, I mean, maybe Webb not, but let's great. assume. Webb had one let's, bad inning. One, Webb's yeah, had one bad inning in the last two months. Yeah, so let's assume that that was an anomaly, and we get the web that we're used to seeing. Then you want him on Sunday. If if we've clinched by Sunday, then he starts whatever important game is next, right? Correct. Which I I mean that that would be the NLDS game one, which is which is I believe. Uh, sorry, uh, I think that's Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday? The, the NLDS I believe starts Thursday. So really, like if you clinch on Sunday. You know, your next game is on Thursday. Really, only one pitcher is not going to be available on that day. The rest of your starters should be available on Thursday. So then you'd have Gosman Webb then. So you'd have Gosman and Webb as your number one and number two. That's why winning the division is so important. Oh, because, so important. Because yeah. if Webb, Webb can still pitch Sunday and then be ready for game two of the NLDS and Gosman would pitch game one of the NLDS. That is a huge thing. But even so, the wild card game for the National League is the second game, and it is on Wednesday. Um, and so Monday is an off day. It is there in case any tiebreaker games, like game 163 between the Giants and Dodgers, which might have to happen. That's why Monday is free. So Monday yep. is free for game 163. The AL plays their wild card game on Tuesday, which and then the NL plays its wild card game on Wednesday. So that means even if the Giants play on Monday, they get a day off and then they have then they play the wild card on on Wednesday. Um, I want to double check this now just to make sure I am not getting any of this wrong. So if that's the case, then Gosman starts the wild card game on Wednesday. Yes. Yes, Webb would and start. Then, yeah, and then and then you'd have to go with either Wood or Desclafani to start the National League Division Series. 
Right. Well, let's think about this for a and second. And then so, it would be Webb and God. Well, I mean, let's let's really think about it for a second. Okay. So Tuesday it's Webb. Wednesday it's Wood. Thursday it's Desclafani. That's the only. Mm-hmm. That's that's, that's this what coming. We know. That's what we know. <laughs> this is the that so this coming Tuesday is Webb. So game one against the Diamondbacks is Webb. Game two is Wood. Game three is most likely Desclafani. The opening game against the Padres, the last series of the season, could be Gosman. Right, he is available. That's on a normal day, four days rest. He is available that day. I think at that point, though, you really start to look at where you are in the standings and start to to play around with things. Webb, you absolutely want him to pitch twice this week because he is your best pitcher, and only one of your pitchers can go twice this week. And in theory, you need to win. Well, you need to only win five times this week, but you know, assume you're going to lose one of those. So you need to try to win every game this week. So you need to get your best pitcher in there as many times as you can. That's twice. That's Webb. That's Tuesday and Sunday. Yeah. Gosman at that point, I think, becomes the the variable, right? He's the guy that you you juggle to see, okay, do I need him on Friday? If you need him on Friday, I think you pitch him as early as you possibly can so that he can come back as quickly as he can and and still then pitch on um, on Wednesday for the wild card game. The problem is, is that I do see a scenario here where we don't have our ideal. It would be Wood pitching Monday in game 163 if things do not go the way the Giants want them to and they're forced to play game 163 and they've used all their best pitchers as early as they possibly can. That means Alex Wood starts Monday against the Dodgers in game 163. Now, that's a very poetic start for him. I (laughs) I think there's a lot of great things about that story, but I would rather have Gosman or Webb in that game. Totally. But I also think, though, having Tuesday off, since the American League has their wildcard game on Tuesday, that, I mean, obviously Monday's game is a bullpen game. I mean, yeah, you have Wood start, but it's all hands on deck. Everybody's available. Yeah, obviously. Everybody and, pitches. And, Everybody and pitches. So, yes. And there's no, there's no, oh, let's have somebody work themselves out of trouble kind of, you know, thing. No, it's any hint of trouble, you're gone, we're bringing in somebody else. I guess, you know, the three rule, three batter rule, notwithstanding. But uh, so, I, you know, it becomes a different game. It's it's a it's a uh, yes. Wood starts, and you want him to go deep because that means he's doing well. But if he doesn't, then you're seeing you're seeing all of our you know relievers right. come in one after another. Right. Well, so here's the worst case scenario, though. I think if you have Gosman go on Friday, you have Webb pitch on pitch on Sunday, right? Which is a doer. You, you want to win that game. If you win that game, you assume you presumably prevent game 163. If you lose that game, then you want Gosman to pitch in the wild card game, assuming you lose. Now, assume you lose 163. Now you need Gosman to pitch in the wild card game, right? He'll be available for that because that is on Wednesday. Uh, October 6th. That will be the NL wildcard game. And then Webb will have pitched on Sunday, and it turns out the National League NLDS game one is on Friday. So Webb would be available for Friday's start. So I think the Giants actually have everything lined up exactly yeah, how they well. want it to do. They're, totally. they're lined up to get Webb and Gossman in all, into all of these do-or-die games. So I think they're well-positioned. I, I right. really do. I mean, game 163, you want to win, but it's not a must-win. That's true. Good point. All right. Well, now, gosh, now I'm looking forward to seeing how this all shakes out because we're in the playoffs no matter what. That's right. And uh, and it'll be fun to see you know, how this all shakes out. I mean, this is what we wanted at the beginning of the season. We wanted meaningful baseball in September slash October. 
and uh, we're getting it. We wanted so, to be fighting for the playoffs, the last wild card spot at this week. <laughs> That's what we wanted. <laughs> Gosh, uh, anyway, we got no, so answer, much more uh, than we wanted. That's right, and I'll take it. I mean, I remember our question was, could three three teams from the NL West make uh, the uh, the playoffs? And the answer is no. And the answer is no. No, uh, but uh, not because the Giants didn't do their part. That's for sure. So, can I call this episode the San Diego Padres or still the San Diego Padres? <laughs> I think we just need to let the Padres go. You just let them out of their misery. Just let them out of their. Misery. They know they're I don't the think Padres, we need to right? Shoot they know. Them while we're down. Yeah, they, they know. know. They, they know, know they're the Padres. They know. That's right. Yeah. And fans know that they're the Padres. Which yeah. Is, yeah, I'm just so bitter that how much people talk that team up at the beginning of the season. I mean, it was All fine. Right, well, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. But, water you know, this team, it is, exactly. And everyone's going to be talking about the Giants from here on out. That's right. And, uh, and, and deservedly so. And so this time next week, we will be coming back. The season will have been wrapped up. We'll have be talking about uh, whatever game is in front of us. And uh, we'll be getting Ben sloppy drunk. That's right. So, and we'll, we'll also explain how we're going to handle the postseason. Matthew and I haven't quite figured that out yet ourselves. There's a lot there of... There will probably be more than one podcast a week, though. Correct. Uh, we're, they're correct. We're, we'll, we'll, try, we'll try our best uh, to... Uh, bring to, out some old uh, cocktail favorites and... You know, breeze through the cocktails and just talk Giants baseball uh, during the playoffs. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it but out. In the, we'll let you know we next will, week. We will definitely be offering more more podcasts through the playoffs, and hopefully, it's a deep run. So uh, we'll we'll see how much that that we'll see what takes place. Oh, if you haven't already done so, I mean, this is like episode thirty, guys. So come on, man. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at Giant Cocktails. Uh, Tell your friends. Follow, this is the follow. time, Fairweather fans. Fairweather fans, let's get them on board. Let's get them on here. Let's pump up the uh, the Giant Cocktails download stats. Yes, you guys have uh, been great. Uh, it's been fun watching our numbers uh, climb each week. Uh, definitely tell a friend. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram. Love to connect with you. Uh, we'll see everyone next week. Ben, I'll see you next week as well. Cheers. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up. <laughs>